0: Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Institutional Portfolio Manager Abhijit Singh joins us today for a look at key drivers and regions in focus in emerging markets. Abby works alongside Portfolio Manager Sam Polyak on Fidelity Emerging Markets Fund, and today provides a fund update with host Pamela Ritchie. Abby will comment on the effect a strong US dollar has on emerging markets, thoughts on the upcoming election in Brazil, as well as sharing areas of interest currently within China, India, and other regions. Another interesting topic Abby unpacks is what areas could transition from frontier to emerging and emerging to developed within the next few decades. He notes South Korea, for example, is currently classified as developed by FTSE, but not by MSCI. This podcast was recorded on July 28, 2022. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.
1: Let's talk about ultimately the impact of all these moving parts, the economic story, um, certainly the market story. The dollar story is one thing we I feel we have to begin with when we're talking about emerging markets. It doesn't really look like it's going anywhere other than where it is at this point. What, what are your thoughts? How do you look at that?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great place to start because dollar uh, does have a meaningful impact on EM's performance. Uh, and it's been a headwind for a while because dollar has been really strong. And I think with the rate cycle where it is, and you saw a big rate hike again yesterday, dollar hasn't really pushed after that. So a lot of this stuff gets priced in, in advance of when the Fed announces things. And in fact, even before the Fed could start raising the rates. Dollar was already kind of moving in that direction. So uh, the good news is it's not moving too much. Uh, and and un- unfortunately, the flip side of having a contraction in GDP uh, uh, on the positive side is that the Fed might might at some point take a break and see like how their policy moves so far have impacted the economy, has the inflation turning? Uh, and obviously, it takes time for that data to kind of come through. So. It'll be interesting to see where things stand. And I think I was looking this morning, you know, it's another 75 bips uh, raise uh, probability just went down after the publishing of the GDP number. So that tells you that there would be, you know, potentially a, a pause or a pivot uh, in, in, in at least in the midterm, uh, in the later this year or perhaps before that.
1: Perhaps before that. Let's sort of zero in. We can we can talk more detail on it, but you know. Bare bones. Ultimately, what within the EM universe that you're looking at—the countries and, and obviously the various stocks within—what is sort of the next the medium-term contingent upon?
2: Yeah, uh, I think China is going to be a very dominant component of to figure out like what happens in the second half of this year and maybe possibly in the you know next year as well. Uh, the fund is positioned uh, in that direction, so we are overweight. China, uh, as you know, China's going through COVID. Has been struggling with COVID uh, in uh, year to date uh, in certain ways. Some lockdowns have happened. Shanghai was more the bigger one, but uh, other things have been happening. Wuhan got locked down in the last couple of days. But I think the policy is uh, is tr- they're trying to figure out a balance between you know these uh, zero COVID policies and and and, uh, and economic activity. Uh, while on surface, you might still hear that uh, zero COVID is the way they want to go. And they're going to keep pushing in that direction. Uh, underneath, you can see from PMI and other figures that, you know, these lockdowns are a lot more localized now. A lot more, you know, industrial production is not being completely stopped and things like that. So they're they're figuring out a way. Uh, we're looking at, uh, at data because uh, we're positioned in the direction of reopening, at least in China and lack of inflation concerns in China as well mm. is another factor that I think differentiates it compared to other other, other markets and other parts of the world.
1: That's fascinating, and, and as you say, there's sort of perhaps an incremental story that that we're not hearing, because you, you do hear headlines that sound like it's it's a little bit more of the same in terms of the lockdown strategy, um, but you are seeing kind of marginal movement in, in a direction. So, right. so how much, I mean, can you tell us a bit more about what looks interesting there? I mean, the tech obviously got massively re-rated in China. I mean, over a yeah. year ago at this point, Wh- which areas of the Chinese market are of interest?
2: So uh, consumption has been the area that kind of comes back as you reopen the economy and the consumers kind of go out and start spending again. So we have some great themes and ideas in the portfolio that have been re-rated re- in the last, uh, you know, six to 12 months. We've kind of added to those positions uh we uh and and that would include you know uh, anywhere from like a beer company to a dishwasher washer dryer maker or or athletic wear and things like that um and, and that's kind of an area we think that can benefit from uh, you know the rebound uh the tech sector has had other headwinds you know uh, you know some of the regulatory pressure that we felt in the second half of last year has been uh, abating uh, the government policy and commentary is definitely kind of become a lot more supportive. So that a lot of the derating that happened in companies, the large companies like Tencent, Alibaba, et cetera, makes them quite attractive on a valuation basis uh, relative mm-hmm. to their global peers. So that's another area where we kind of nibbling back in, adding some new names and, 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 and positioning for, you know, improving or a supportive uh, uh, government policy going forward.
1: The idea that the, the permanence of China, I mean, I think, I think there's some that, investors, you know, just people generally think that perhaps there isn't uh, as big a role as there is. I wonder if you can just kind of sketch the story. I mean, China is a a formidable competitor for, you know, certainly our lives and foreseeable future. What sort of role does it perhaps need to play or will it play economically in the world? What sort of balance do you see in the years to come?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. There are obviously certain dynamics that are changing in China. A lot of the last two decades were spent uh, building the infrastructure. I mean, they built up a lot you know, uh, in anticipation of, I guess, growth. So now they're kind of uh, filling that up in terms of usage of that infrastructure and housing. You are seeing some stresses in the economy Uh, Certainly the
1: property Uh, market, I mean, it's well-known, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that is one area that's a little bit of a concern because it's a big part of their economy, so uh, they're dealing with that. Uh, But that uh, said, they are investing in other areas, you know, decarbonization, EVs, and other things uh, things that they're supporting. In uh, semiconductor manufacturing, that's a big, uh, you know, uh, I guess I would say uh, area of conflict or area of uh, national security and concern for all countries. You know, right. we're, we're trying in the U.S. to try to jumpstart, uh, you know, chip manufacturing here uh, with uh, a lot of the you know, efforts in the Congress and so on. So that is an area where I think what you'll see is like there'll be collaboration in certain sectors, but other sectors are kind of ripe for, uh, you know, competition between, you know, the powers of the world uh, to, right. you know, from a security standpoint. And you can understand that there are companies that are going to benefit from that. And uh, there are companies that might not benefit from that. So there's obviously an opportunity then to pick stocks in that kind of an environment as it unfolds.
1: When you look at some of the commodity players around the world, you know, the discussion is that to build up a a new grid. I mean, every country is is going down this road to whatever extent they're going down, but sort of the green energy future uh requires building and the infrastructure for that. It seems to require a lot of copper. <laughs> do we yeah. how do we how do we see that going forward? Is that something that For instance, consumption in China will power. I mean, do do you see the the kind of green infrastructure as a real area of growth uh, in the future for China?
2: It it is, but those plays tend to be a little bit expensive. So as you know, our fund does approach uh, investing from a growth at a reasonable price uh, type of approach. So EVs and things like that, they're very like, uh, what what would I say, like a Crowded trades in terms of, uh, you know, people, everybody putting money in there. So you want to look for other ways to uh, maybe on the adjacent side in terms of uh, companies or sectors that that might be part of that ecosystem, but not necessarily like the headline names is, is what you try to look for. Uh, you know, uh, commodities are interesting. They went up a lot after the invasion, uh, Russia invasion in Ukraine, and now they've cooled off uh, quite a bit as well from there. Uh, and... Uh, you know, again, we were a little bit uh, on the underweight side relative to Middle East. And that hurt us in the beginning of the year. But then, you know, things have kind of come back in our direction because things have sold off there. Uh, so we're uh, we we have increased exposure, for example, to some refiners in, in different parts of the world. Uh, gas exposure from a, a company in Turkey, uh, refining exposure in, in Thailand. Uh, and some even some uh, mining exposure from a coal perspective, which is has been a very bad word in terms of ESG. But that's definitely a, a kind of a bridge where you need energy security. You need to you know have you know, heating in in Europe in, in the winter. Can't really rely on Russia. Where is the coal going to come from? So Indonesia is a place that kind of benefits from that space as well. So uh, some okay. things have changed. Uh, And we've we've repositioned the fund to kind of take advantage of that um, dislocation in the market post the war.
1: Fascinating. Let's let's talk a little bit about India. I've I've been promoing you all week, (laughs) talking Mm -hmm. a little bit about you know the impact of actually because they kept a bit of a a non-aligned stance with the war on. Uh, in Ukraine, that they they've been able to access Russian gas at at a cheaper price. I don't know what kind of impact that's had broadly. I just find it sort of a fascinating piece of information. Is yeah. it investable? Is that something you find interesting?
2: I think it, it it actually it was one of the surprises in the last few months. It's like we uh, post the war, you know, we we did start trimming some of our India exposure and end up being underweight uh, because of concerns about inflation, concerns about you know, energy security, food security, et cetera but yeah this uh the access to uh, Russian oil at like a pretty steep discount you know they're paying like sixty five seventy dollars a barrel where the rest of the world is paying like a hundred plus uh that uh has mitigated the concerns about India at least in the short term and um and and we're still underweight, but maybe uh, going forward might uh, might close down some of that to uh because again this was a surprise uh very tough to kind of play some of these things uh you know they they do sound interesting but you have to find like stocks that uh kind of benefit from that uh oftentimes uh you know uh, there there are other headwinds that show up like windfall taxes and other things that you have to be aware of when you start trying to invest in uh you know just the commodity or the energy uh prices being uh, up there etc
1: some of the themes that that you and sam have always had that that you're sort of invested so those all still stand up. I mean, that, that theme of premiumization, um, a number, I mean, also e-commerce, other types of themes. So, Are they still very much of interest to you? Actually, have you had opportunities to perhaps add to some of those themes? Yeah,
2: yeah. I think we have added a little bit. Those themes are still valid because, I mean, the reason they are kind of themes is because they, you know, they're expected to last for a decade or, or, or longer. So we have a kind of a double down on some names that we liked, you know, before the sell-off, we like them even more, so we have definitely stayed with those themes. But a few things that have emerged outside that or beyond that, uh, uh, I would say I don't know if I qualify as themes yet or not. But you know, aerospace defense, uh, you know, some of the commodity stuff that has been disrupted, like zinc smelting, that uh, Eastern Europe was a big component of it, but the energy so is a big part of it.
1: So melting, right? That
2: in Korea, yeah. So things like that is yeah. uh, is. I don't know what to call it, like the new world order themes or, yeah. uh, you know, current, you know, world order might change again in six months. But
1: Energy uh, security, uh, yeah. like
2: 3.0. Food security. Food security is another one. You know, that is really? uh, very hard to play in EM because uh, you can play it in Canada through potash and, you know, uh, you know in, uh, what do you call? Uh, yeah,
1: fertilizers. Uh, fertilizer
2: yeah. plays. Uh, we're looking for ways to do that in our fund because I think that is going to be a challenge that's going to last Probably longer than you know the energy issues that we're dealing with right now because you know energy stuff oftentimes gets resolved with like new capacity and other things, but uh, lack of access to grain and other things that are grown in that region. And, and, and I know people are trying to fix that and, and solve that, but it, it's a challenge. You, you saw an agreement was signed uh, between uh, Turkey uh, and, and and Russia and, and maybe Ukraine was there, but. To access the grains uh, out of Ukraine, and the next day there was like bombing at a. At it out.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's 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 tricky. So that's that's yeah. If you want to uh, look for opportunities, it's hard to do. But if you can find something that can benefit from that, that would be a good place to find.
1: This is the idea of EM being a fixed group. You've been talking about about different areas within, so you can address up which markets may in fact transition from. Either you know em, emerging to perhaps developed markets over the next 20 to 30 years might throw in you know from frontier to emerging as well. But yeah. but what are your thoughts there? How does it, how is it shifting and changing?
2: Yeah, um, that's interesting. I mean, oftentimes we just go with the definition that the benchmarks give to companies. I mean, one country that's always been on the cusp is is Korea. South Korea is actually considered a developed market by FTSE. Benchmarks, but not by MSCI, which is obviously the one that is used more, uh, you know, pervasively around the world. Uh, but they have some, uh, uh, you know, concerns about uh, governance structures and 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 government relationship with banks and things like that. So that's kept them away uh, from that. But they are kind of, I would say, like al- has always been a, a right. debate, and 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 they just kind of, you know, there. Uh, i wouldn't think china over w- w- said that like a few years ago it's hard to see because they do love their uh, you know capital controls when they need them and, and and kind of control the economy in, in, sometimes in a very heavy handed way that makes it harder to kind of justify moving them uh, and uh, i i can't think of anything that can move like from frontier to developed i mean Saudi Arabia is is now EM now, Uh, you know, Greece is EM. I I don't know if Greece is at some point going to be developed again, but uh, they were one of those that got demoted or quote unquote.
1: So it's just interesting to see some of the shifts there. How is the tourism industry faring in emerging markets? This is a big part of many of the economies of, of various countries within EM.
2: Yeah. Well, not, not very good, of course. Like, you know, you, you saw the, you know, the, Collapse in Sri Lanka, which is a pretty heavy uh, uh, tourism destination. Uh, it's part of like the pressures on the economy. Thailand, which is a big uh, tourism uh, component, uh, we feel that will be a big beneficiary of uh, kind of the reopening. Uh, uh, so we have like a exposure in Thailand for uh, in anticipation of that, you know, improving travel conditions and so on. Uh, If you look at some of the data that's coming out of uh, China, for example, whether it's uh, intercity travel or or hotels and other things, they're they're bouncing back post-lockdowns, but then again, like not back to where they were before the start. And the international travel is still kind of, you know, it's going to take some time for that to come back. You know, even uh, personally, in terms of uh, our investment professionals traveling, I mean, we have, we've started going on the road to conferences, visiting countries and so on, but it's still not there, uh, you know, where we would like it to be. So I think that's, again, coming back, but uh, tourism as well as business travel, both of those things are going to be interesting factors uh, to look at to see how, uh, how, how how we're coming back, what it looks like when uh, when we get there.
1: Any comments on the plan for a new brick currency?
2: Now, it's hard to see. You know, one of the... Uh, within BRIC, uh, the R is Russia, so
1: I know. You need
2: a new uh, new uh, acronym there. But uh, it's hard to see, uh, you know, dollar still remains kind of the primary currency for uh, uh, global trade. You know, uh, Russia has tried to uh, you know do trade on the side around sanctions using ruble. Again, then you end up giving like a you know 20, 30, 40 percent discount to countries that are willing to uh, you know trade in that currency uh, uh china has thought about that europe as you know has, it has its own issues so uh, hard to see like a replacement coming anytime soon but um, you know, again uh, things surface up but then uh, dissipate
1: it's very interesting just sort of watching some of these things tell us a little bit about the lead up to the china to the congress that's in november um and you know sort of the pre and post it's uh it's it's very much a political moment Um, you wonder most governments leading walking into sort of a political moment will be a bit more free spending for instance on the way in and then maybe get on board with whatever their policies are afterwards i mean do do you see something similar for for china in the fall Uh,
2: at least more supportive and i think that's precisely one of the reasons why like you know the the regulatory headwind has has mitigated and 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 they are being more supportive Uh, From a stimulus standpoint, it's been stop and go, reluctant, I think, like a little bit more cautious. You know, obviously, uh, it's more about supporting the real estate sector, like how do you do that? So uh, do you count that as stimulus or do you count that as support? Uh, But uh, they have talked about infrastructure uh, as as an area, the decarbonization trend is there, but they haven't opened the spigot. But I think, as you said, leading up to the Congress, uh, the... You know the new, uh, you know Xi Jinping getting his next term and so on. Uh, they will continue to be more supportive and and kind of, uh, uh, you know, supportive of uh, employment generating uh, activities. Uh, and and you saw, for example, the ant financial issue uh, somewhat getting resolved or getting there. You know, uh, there's an article this morning saying that uh, Jack Ma has okay. agreed to kind of lo- leave the control of the that company. So that would open up the path for it to go public again, and, and so they, they are uh, loosening it up. So I think that's that's a good sign. Again, COVID policy might be a little
1: and, bit gun shy on that one, but yeah, but that's yeah, a good sign, yeah. I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, these are all data points to say that you know
1: they
2: they are kind of uh, loosening up a little.
1: Is Brazil? I mean, Brazil is a country that had the great hopes for Br- the Brazilian economy over the course of the last decade, certainly on, on various different fronts. But it has Petrobras as well, so it's it's a producer of energy. Um, it also is walking into an election. Is is this a, a good time to be looking at Brazil from your perspective, or or has um, that time passed with perhaps, the prices coming down a bit? Yeah.
2: So we have exposure to energy in Brazil, so that obviously helped us with the whole run up in the energy sector. But we are uh, little bit more cautious uh, when it comes to Brazil compared to like say a year ago, because right. of the election we, we want to let the dust settle down, see who wins and then what the policies are going to be on the other side. In fact, our team in in Boston is is planning to visit Brazil after the election. so okay. no point going right now let's let's let the dust settle go there and see and reassess and we have some concerns around you know credit growth. Uh, in in the, the fintech space in Brazil in the last few years, so there are some cautionary uh, issues, but definitely waiting for the election uh, to get resolved and then look on the other side uh, to identify where do we go in.
1: Fascinating. You mentioned the Middle East a little bit just while we're on the topic of energy producers. Um, and actually, I think for some time you said you were kind of looking looking at opportunities, but you hadn't really found any. Is that is that still kind of the case? Or
2: yeah, it's it's still the case, uh, and, okay. and and I think well. Uh, Sam's been looking hard to find uh, things that kind of match our investment philosophy and, and what we want to, you know, have in this portfolio. Which
1: is, which so, is GARP, we should probably which say. Which
2: is kind of GARP, talk. like, you know, growth at a reasonable price yeah. or, or, or something that's opportunistic that makes a lot of sense for the short term. But in general, it's been hard to find uh, plays there. Governance can be a concern at times. And then also, like, again, um, uh, valuation is, is is a concern there as well. because. Uh, between LATAM and, um, uh, you know, um, Middle East, those uh, areas really outperformed everything else when, right. when the war started. So it's been it's been painful from a relative performance basis, but, you know, we want to stick to our guns in terms of like what we like, what we don't like uh, for the portfolio. So we, we're looking uh, maybe in the next, uh, next time we talk, we might have something in the fund and I can say we have a position there, but no, not yet.
1: Yeah, yeah, things are things are pretty expensive still there. So, I mean, when you if you have to kind of carve it up in terms of we talked about the regions, even countries and you know within, if you have to look at it from a sector perspective, what what are you leaning into? It's the reopening?
2: Uh, yeah, so consumer discretionary and, and and a lot of that lines up with the uh, uh, you know the chi- China and, and and what might ha- what will happen in the next, you know, 6 to 12 months uh, rather than on a day-to-day basis. So that's definitely our, our biggest bet uh, in, in the fund. Uh, and the other areas we are kind of underweight, like financials and, and, and uh, no utilities or real estate, because those are kind of the tougher places to be. But consumer discretionary really stands out as, as an area where we think uh, the valuations look much better than what they were, and, and there's a kind of link to that uh, cyclical turnaround. As soon as you see Fed kind of getting to that peak, in terms of uh, rate hikes, you're going to start seeing some of these stocks rally very quickly as the dollar kind of you know, softens up a little sure. bit.
1: That's so interesting because I mean that that is sort of not to put words in your mouth, but that is kind of the argument for emerging markets right now, right? Because if you, if everyone's been focused, in developed markets and and you know lots of recessionary discussions uh, fears around there, but valuations in EM obviously have been blown out to such an extent that it it might be an interesting Complement to
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: other parts of one's portfolio. I mean, is that is that where it fits, sort of as the complement to see the growth?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Like I said, it's 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 in a different phase of uh, of the cy- business cycle. So you are seeing this potential uh, support in China of being able to support their economy with, uh, with a policy both from fiscal, monetary, etc., and, and that will be beneficial for that region, people, uh, countries around there that uh, that uh, you know supply china or or go so on so it, it has a ripple effect that goes through uh, the global economy and 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 that would be i think that would be a, one of those key indicators that we want to look at in the second half of last uh, next year or this year rather uh, to to see like how how things might progress uh, for the rest of the year
1: so i mean lots of people are waiting for that moment of a fed pivot and it's hard to know whether that's going to be a huge pivot or it's going to be a slowdown of, you know, I mean, nobody really knows exactly what that means, but you want to keep an eye on EM in that moment, I'm assuming.
2: I I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah.
1: That's sort of another place. Anything else you want to finish with? It's been really great getting a a bit of a tour around the world of different areas and to what extent they, they might have investment opportunities. Anything else?
2: No, I think like we we do like ASEAN as well. We're looking for opportunities in ASEAN. They said Thailand. I mentioned uh, you know reopening beneficiary Indonesia. The you know kind of the interesting place because in the past when dollar is strong, Indonesia would be in trouble because you know, they have a high you know current account issues. But this time around, they do have the coal and the energy uh, to supply as well. So that's balancing balancing out some of those stresses. Uh, and, and so that's kind of an interesting place, but, uh, you know, a little bit harder to go into like Philippines and places like that, because they, they do tend to have the, you know, the again, the deficit and, and uh, dependent on uh, external sources of energy and so on. So uh, that's, that's that's where we are. Uh, and uh, again, focus on, um, you know, what happens in China would be very important. Uh, not a whole lot to add to around uh, Taiwan or our situation there. Uh, but uh, that's another area that's a perennial, you know, area that you want to monitor and see any any changes in the posture from any side.
1: Yeah, it's quite a day to be speaking with you, actually. Um, nice. with
2: that.
1: Abhijit saying thank you for joining us. Have a good rest of your summer.
2: Thank you. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts, and don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next time.